Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, The Road to Restoration. I'm Pastor Sergio Delamora, and today I'm in Sacramento, California with Pastor Sam Rodriguez. Pastor Sam, it's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Well, Pastor Sam, we've known each other for years, and the podcast, really, I want it to be an an open book, like an audio journal of relationships that I have with people who've gone through great things, have gone through ups, downs. So most of the people that are listening to this podcast, they've either experienced great highs or they're going through a great low or they're on their way to one or the other. And so I want to talk with you primarily about stepping into your new season of restoration. Your church is called New Season. It's located in Sacramento and Los Angeles. And where else? Los Angeles and Sacramento and online, of course. Okay. Talk to us about what you've seen um, in America at large when it comes to restoration. We've come through COVID. Um, we've seen a lot of change. And I want to first ask you if I can step back and do a macro view from your perspective. When you hear the word restoration, what comes to you? It, 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 what comes to me is a Charles Dickens moment. It's the best of times and the worst of times. There is a, an, an incredible amount of tension. Not necessarily terrific tension, but it's tension. You could argue it's actually a dichotomy. There's a struggle. Part of the culture does not adhere to, believe, embrace, acknowledge, or even tolerate the notion of restoration. The woke and the cancel culture want to cancel things in perpetuity. There is no redemption. There is no repair. There is no restoration. There is an element emerging in our current cultural political landscape that it's anti-restoration. Hence, on the what other side... What does that mean, side, anti-restoration? Anti-restoration is complete cancellation. Regard, if you make a mistake in your past, if you sin, if you have moral turpitude, if something breaks in your family, if, whatever it may be, you can never again occupy space on a viable, sustainable platform of influence. You lose your influence the moment you mess up. That is the cancel culture. That is, that is what's happening now. You name the cancellations on social media... In Hollywood, uh, there's a, uh, you know, a recent trial between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was canceled based on an accusation from Amber Heard, an, a- an accusation that he vehemently denied and went to court to prove it and so forth. Regardless, he was still canceled. Disney said, we're not going to bring you up. Just the idea that regard, your mistake will cancel you in perpetuity, it's counterintuitive to the gospel message of salvation, deliverance, healing, and restoration. The gospel message is restoration. Christ is restoration. Restoration could be synonymous with reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, the Apostle Paul references in his letter to the church at Corinth. That, that is not necessarily you and I as it pertains. And I know we use it, let's reconcile colors and ethnicities, which is cute, not biblically substantiated in its orthodoxy. It's great on a macro level by faith. What it really means is reconciling man unto God and God unto man. Should we reconcile with one another? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's not what Paul's writing about. But that reconciliation word is actually synonymous with restoration. Jesus died on the cross to restore relationship between humanity and divinity that totally fell apart with the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. So it's restoration. Again, the culture says, no, once you mess up, you mess up for life. And Jesus says, once you mess up, you come to me, I'll restore you. And then the, the radicalness of the gospel message is, I'll restore you better to what, than what we had before, and I'll even take you to a higher place. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, the, the, the message of the gospel. Uh, again, the, the new covenant blood, uh, the Hebrew seven adage, the John 19, 30, when it is finished, it is finished. It's not just restoring to what happened prior to the fall. It's elevating it to a new level because you're cognizant of the fullness of the finished work of Christ uh, that Adam was not aware of. So it's an upgrade. Not only can you be restored, you can be restored to a higher place. One of the most powerful verses in all of scripture is Job 2.25. Job 2.25 is the quintessential yes. verse of restoration. But it is it is so crazy because it has no rails. It, it's just the silly stuff because silly in the eyes of man, according to the writing to the apostle Paul, it's foolishness to us. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's just amazing what Job says. Job says, you know what? God has the power to restore, even if it's your fault. Crazy. The Joe 2.25 saying everything will be restored, including the time you lost. Only God can restore time. And the reference in the Hebrew exeget of the passage is not just on the other side of eternity. He's referencing on this side. Everything's about this side of eternity. And then Joe says, by the way, it's your fault. The reason why the locust came along, the reason why everything was eaten up, was because you sinned. You lost everything because you sinned, but God says, I will restore it even if it was your fault, and I will give you more than what you had before. That is powerful. That is what today people consider crazy about the grace of God. That grace is an offensive concept to religion. Do you see grace and the message of grace increasing in this new era or do you see that it still battles with religion? There's there's just a constant battle between the message of the the gracious finished work of Christ with the religious Pharisaic paradigm. Because religion wants to control, limit, put lids on. It's very punitive. Yes. Religion is very punitive. It's very consequential. It's punitive. Again, religion sees through the through the very rigid sort of myopic worldview of actions and consequences, and there is no grace, there's no mercy, there's no love. And Jesus comes along and flips the script, and he says, absolutely not. Where there is repentance, there is grace. Where you, where there is confession, where you come before your heavenly father, first John 1, 9, and you confess your sin, say, Lord, I really messed up here. I blew it. I acknowledge it. And, and then you permit the working of the Holy Spirit. There is unbridled grace. Is the reason why your church is named New Seasons because you really have adopted in your life at some point the, the thought that God gives new seasons? I don't know of anyone, I don't know of anyone that has not been through a process that requires a new season. I, I, I don't. I can't find one person in church. I, because I, no one, you're not born holy. And you don't go through your life perfectly holy, pristine, without ever going through anything. And then you die holy. That's not the way it works. Only Jesus did that. Yeah. Only one person in the only history Only Jesus ministry. practiced everything he preached. Only, oh, well, only Jesus lived it out. Yeah. Totally. And he was tempted. He went through everything we went through. And somehow he won. Hashtag 100%. He batted a thousand. Only Jesus batted a thousand. No other person has ever batted a thousand. No other person. So you believe in second chances? Well, second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Again, what you don't want to do is exploit grace on the other extreme, the pendulum, okay. in the Hebrews 10 component, where, where you use grace as a license to sin. Those that do that don't understand grace. Those that do that have truly not experienced the foolish work of Christ. So when they, when wow. they push back on that, if, if, you're, wow. if you're using grace to sin in perpetuity and think you're going to get away with murder, good luck with that. Hashtag, nope, because it's not going to happen. Yeah. 
But but those that understand grace uh, and understand the power of repentance and change and transformation, yeah, I believe in second chances. I believe in third chances. I mean, look, we've heard it so many times. You know, Samson never should have received that second chance in the stadium. Blind Samson should never have received supernatural strength to bring down the pillars and bring down the stadium and defeat more in his dying than he did through his life. Of the Philistines, meaning the enemies. David, David's messed up. And yet we see the restorative work of, of God in his life to such a degree that Jesus had no qualms whatsoever. Jesus had no issues being referenced as the son of David. This is a guy who committed adultery had a rooftop Victoria's Secret experience, and all of a sudden, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I have no problem in being associated with that guy. It's like, wow. Peter, of course, messed up. Throughout Moses, Moses killed someone. Are you kidding me? Moses was a murderer, and then he screws up again in his ministry. This obeys God. Don't, don't strike it. Don't hit the rock. <laughs> Mo, don't hit it. Don't hit it. And what does Mo do? He smacks the living daylights out of it, right? And so, and then, and yet Moses shows up where Matthew 17, 2. He shows up what? In the Mount of Transfiguration in the promised land. So when somebody tells you Moses never got in, tell them, well, biblically speaking, that's not necessarily correct. It took him Jesus. It took Jesus. It always takes Jesus to take us into our promised land. And that's, you know, so second, third, fourth chances. Absolutely. Again, grace is not a license to sin. It's a license to grow. And I think today in America and in the world at large, people struggle with the goodness of God. People, can God be that good? Is God that good? Um, I struggle to believe that God is that good. And if not now, then when can the church boldly proclaim to the world that God isn't just good, he's always good. He is the epitome of good. Yeah, he, listen, he's, he's amazing. Even when you fall, we're using, you know, church speakings now. This is a church lexicon. You know, that person fell, which is interesting. That person fell. Even when you fall, you, you don't completely fall. If, if you are a follower of Christ and you, and you mess up, you, you don't, no, no Christian completely falls. It's impossible. Okay, explain that because I know people are listening right now thinking, what did he just say? It's impossible. You can't completely fall. Jude one twenty four. the God that we serve, he is able to keep you from falling. What does that mean? So let's say there's, you're, you're a Christian. You love God, but you had a moment of temptation and you blew it. You blew it. You just blew it, right? And did you completely fall? No, you can't. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. There's something inside of you that never falls, no matter what. The Spirit of God inside of you never falls. Your salvation will not fall. Your, your calling, according Very to, powerful. according to the Apostle Very Paul, good. your calling and your giftings never fall. They are irrevocable without repentance. They cannot fail or fall. So a part of you does fall. Yeah, your, your morality, your integrity fell, but not the infusion of the Holy Spirit. How about this? Your, the anointing does not fall. Your attitude, fell. Your your demeanor fell. Your influence may have fallen, but the anointing never falls. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. So even though you fell, there was a part of you inside of you that actually looked at you and said, all right, we got to pick you up. And that's that's what picked you up. The Spirit of God doesn't leave you, man. We got to stop this whole cinematic Hollywood version of the Holy Spirit of God departing from that. What Again, if you're truly born again, 
Spirit of God, John 10, 28 and 29. Once you say yes to God, yes to Jesus, you are forevermore in his grip and his grasp. If you're truly born again, he's, he doesn't go like, you blew it, let me let you go, man, you know, go, go ahead, get out of here. It doesn't work like that. You fell, but you're still in his hands. And it's his restorative hand that says, all right, sunshine, you, you're, not, you're not made for this. No, no, you can't stay there. Get up, get up, get up. I'm not asking you. I'm demanding that you get up. I'm Amen. telling you to get up. Matter of fact, I'm going to get you up yeah. one way or another. Yeah. And that's what God does. And that's grace. And that's what people who have a religious worldview have a hard time understanding. If you're listening to the podcast today, thank you so much for listening to The Road to Restoration. Uh, Pastor Sam, thank you for being my guest. I cannot wait till we continue this conversation. Those of you that are listening, please share with a friend. And thank you and God bless you for watching and listening today.